Well, God bless everybody tonight. Appreciate you guys coming, coming, uh, being able to be here. Um, so we, we will talk about Jehovah Witnesses, Mormons, and uh, if you have any questions, you know, towards the end, we'll open it up for a question. So if you have any questions, please uh, uh, let me know. Uh, you know, both of these groups, Mormons and Jehovah Witnesses, like I said this, this morning, they're, they're growing quite a bit here in the U.S. This is where they're growing the most. And they're, both of these groups have very distinctive doctrines. And they, <clears throat> I'll be ta maybe talking about two, three points on each group, which these points that I'm going to talk about, these are like essential, essential primary doctrines that you cannot be a Christian and believe this. You know, we're the, sometimes you can believe certain things and yeah, you might be out in left, way out in left field. But these doctrines are not even in the ballpark. They, they're very far away. They're, they're not even Christian, not even a little bit. So you cannot hold to these doctrines and, and become a Christian or be a Christian. With, with, the, with these groups. Uh, for example, I'll, I'll start with the, the, the Mormons, you know, on their, you know, Mormons, they claim to be a restored church of Jesus Christ. They don't claim to be just like a, a denomination. They believe they are God's sole true church on earth. And they believe that when Jesus died and then his apostles died, they believe the church died. So they, they call this a, a, a total apostasy that it wiped the church completely. So for hundreds of years, there was no church on earth, no true church on earth. Yes, there was people who claimed to be Christians, but they, they had different doctrines. And they believe that uh, the church started, uh, was restored again in 1830 when God asked Joseph Smith, who was the founder of the Mormon church, to restore certain truth that was lost. So when they come to your door, they're not just one, uh, just another church. They believe they are God's sole church on earth and that the church was destroyed. And, you know, one, one of the points is that uh, the, the Mormons have a, a, a book called Gospel Principles. And this is one of their, uh, basically like a Sunday school book. And this is what, what they'll be uh, going through when you go to a Mormon church. This is what they, and, but on page 95, this is what they say. After the Savior ascended into heaven, men changed the ordinances and doctrines that he and his apostles had established. Because of apostasy, there was no direct revelation from God. The true church was no longer on the earth. So there was no true church. There was people who who believed they were Christians, but they weren't really Christians. They, they, they you know, they didn't have true, a, a true church. But does the Bible say that? No. Right? It doesn't, it doesn't mention, it doesn't mention a total apostasy. You go ahead. No, go ahead. But, but what do they do with the scripture that says that and the gates of hell shall not prevail? Yeah, that's a, that's a good verse. Yeah, Matthew sixteen eighteen. Yeah, they also there's there's a verse in Matthew twenty eight twenty, and Jesus told his followers, "Surely I am with you, always, even to the very end of the age." 
You know, Ephesians 3.21, Paul tells, uh, or Paul says, be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And 1 Timothy 4.1 says that, the scripture says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith, but it didn't say all. So, you know, it, it doesn't make any, any sense that, that um, like the verse you mentioned, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. According to Mormonism, it did prevail against it. it. It was destroyed. And so this is why there is a need, they say, for a restoration. And, uh, but no scripture to back them up on this point. There's no, no scriptural backing. Uh, they just say, well, there was just, the church was destroyed. My question to Amoran would be then, what year was it destroyed? And what, what year was it destroyed? What, what, what year was it? And to destroy the church, they, they, they would have to destroy every Christian on the face of the planet to destroy the church. Because when, when, uh, when the apostles taught and, and made disciples, and those disciples made other disciples, persecution came, they went to different countries, to different areas, and they took the same gospel. The same gospel that Paul spoke about, they spoke about. And then they made other Christians, they made other disciples, so they spread throughout the whole world. How, how could there was a total apostasy then? Well, they say, well, there is false doctrine. Yes, there's always been false doctrine. This is why most of the epistles were written to correct error in the church. So it doesn't make any sense that there was a, a total apostasy. But you know why they must have that? What would happen if, if they were to understand, oh, there is no total apostasy? We wouldn't need the Mormon church. We wouldn't need the restored church because it never had to be restored because it was never, it was never wiped out. So that, that is kind of a point maybe when they come to your door and say, well, you know, what about the Christians before there was Mormonism? What about the early church? What about the fathers? What about the, the Reformation? All these different things. Why, why you know, the Reformation was a, a time where, where there was great, great enlightenment and people came to Christ and all these different things, yet they say there was no church. There was no true church. So... You know, that, that's kind of how you have to you know, try to try to witness to a Mormon that way and say, why, what year was it destroyed? And it, let's say that it was destroyed. It wasn't, but let's say that it was. Shouldn't it be Jesus Christ to restore it? Mm-hmm. You know, he, he founded it. He died for it. Why would it have to be like a 14-year-old Joseph Smith to, it, it doesn't make, especially knowing, you know, they, he had so much problems in his life. And things like that. So it just doesn't make any sense that that a uh, that there was a a total. And, you, and some scriptures you might give for that is Romans twelve four and five, Colossians one eighteen, Corinthians twenty twelve twenty. It talks about the church not being an organization, but being being believers. It is, it is a body, the in, 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 invisible body of believers throughout the whole world that worship Jesus Christ, that, that are Christians. But that's kind of one of the one of the things I think when they come to your door, that's what they want you to believe. And they will try to say, they give terms like we, we have authority, the church has authority. You know, it, it, it has this authority. And what they mean by that is their church has apostles and prophets. And so they have a special authority, a special 
endowment that they give to you, that you have the, 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 the priests, they have to lay hands on you, and all these different things, and you have to go through these temple endowments and things like that for, to, to be right with God. And, you know, you, you never find these things in, in, in the epistles. You never find that, well, you, you, had a, you want to come to Jesus, you have to go through, through Jerusalem. You have to go through Paul. You have to go through uh, these, you know, you never, you never had these. Even Jesus says, let the children, let them come to me. You know, it, he didn't have to go through, reroute them through a, a certain apostle or a certain group. Uh, so you, it's just, uh, that's something that uh, doesn't make any sense. So key texts that you would want to reach out to them would be Matthew 28, 20. For example, when Jesus says, I am with you always, even to the very end of the age. Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Ephesians 3, 21, be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. And 1 Timothy 4, 1, the scripture says that in latter times, some will abandon the faith. It doesn't say all will abandon the faith. Some will. But God has always had a remnant. God has always had people who were true to him. And so it, it, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense. Now, going back to the Jehovah's Witnesses, let's go just kind of side to side on, on this. Uh, Jehovah's Witnesses believe very similar thing, that there was no direct revelation from God until, until Charles Chase Russell, the founder of Jehovah's Witnesses, got started. And, and, and so they, they believe as Mormons that they are God's true church on earth. And that this is God's true church. And uh, in fact, I'll quote a couple of their uh, magazines. Their Awake magazine, 1986, the, uh, June 8, they say this, you'll be interested to learn that God has on earth a people, all of whom are prophets and witnesses for God. In fact, they are known throughout the world as the Jehovah's Witnesses. So, so that's what they, and then in their July Watchtower, 1973, Jehovah's organization alone in all the earth is directed by God's Holy Spirit or active force. So it alone. And then this last quote, uh, their Watchtower, February 15, 1983, on page 12, they say, God has always used an organization. For example, only those in the ark in Noah's day survived the flood. Similarly, Jehovah is using only one organization today. Listen to that. He's only using one organization today to accomplish his will. To receive everlasting life in this earthly paradise, we must identify that organization and serve God as part of it. So this is point blank. You, you know, if you want to receive everlasting life, you must join this organization and serve God as part of it. So you have to... This is, this is what, what they believe, that, that you have to be part of this group. So both of these groups believe that you are not a Christian, that I am not a Christian. They believe that we're tools of Satan that are deceived, or that we're deceived. They are the only ones who have true light and, true, and, 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 uh, and are uh, functioning for God's purpose and praise. And that's, that's both of these groups believe. So when they come to your door, like I said, they don't, you know, it's, when they come to your door, they, they sound Christian. They look like Christians. They, you know, they, they use, and the reason is because they use Christian terms, the same evangelical terms we use, they use. But you have to have, you have, to have them define their terms because what they believe on these terms are very different 
than what Orthodox Christianity has always believed. And we'll talk about some of these things here in, in a little bit, but that's basically what, what they believe when it comes to their organization, that they are God's sole true church on earth. So when they're going, this is why you see them going door to door, because you cannot find truth on your own. doesn't matter how much Bible reading you do or how much prayer you do. You cannot find God if it's not through the Jehovah Witnesses or through, through the Mormon missionaries. That's, that's how you come to the light, to truth. And, and that's, that's both of them what they believe. And now I'm going to go to another point here. And, and I think it's one of the points that, uh, <clears throat> that they push a lot is their scriptures. You know, we, we, we have a Bible, right? They have a Bible. Uh, Mormons have a, a Bible. Jehovah's Witnesses have a Bible. You know, Mormons have a, uh, they have four books they view scripture, not just one. Mormons have uh, the, the Bible. They have a book called the Book of Mormon. They have a third book called Doctrine and Covenants. And they have a fourth one called the Pearl of Great Price. These are called the four standard works of the church. And in addition to that, they have what, they're called, what they call their living oracles or their modern-day prophets and apostles. What they say becomes scripture to them. Their apostles, their prophets are at the same category as we would view Isaiah the prophet. Jeremiah the prophet that actually writes scripture that cannot be in error. They're not, they don't, they don't, they're not tested like the Old Testament prophets. They weren't tested either. What they say, this is scripture. And, and this is what they, what they believe. So they have four books of scripture. The Bible, the Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants, and the Protegrate Price. These are called the four standard works of the church. Now, out of these four books, which one do you think is the least authoritative? The Bible. The Bible says it has errors in it, you can't fully trust it. And, and so their main book of authority will be the Book of Mormon. That, this is where they try to give you at the door, they try to really push. You know, uh, Joseph Smith, he didn't write the Book of Mormon. Uh, he only translated from Reform, Reform Egyptian to the English language, supposedly. And this is, this is what he did, right? But he did write the introduction of the Book of Mormon. And in, in the introduction, he says, I told the brethren that the Book of Mormon was the most correct book on earth and the keystone of our religion, and that a man will get near to God by abiding by his precepts and by any other book. You know, I told the brethren, he said, that the Book of Mormon was the most correct book on earth, the keystone of our religion, and a man will get near to God by abiding by his precepts and by any other book. Where does that leave the Bible? Right? If, if they believe this is the most correct book on earth and it's the keystone, it'll bring you closer to God. If you're a Mormon, which book would you read the most? The Book of Mormon. Rarely would you go to the Bible. Why? Because the Book of Mormon is more correct. It'll bring you closer to God. And there's a reason why they do that. Uh, that way you won't, you know, in, in fact, uh, they, there's a, their eighth article of faith. They say, we believe the Bible to be the word of God as far as it is translated correctly. In other words, as long as it fits our doctrine, then, then we believe it. And, and that's, what, what, uh, that's what they believe. Ezra Taft Benson is one of their former prophets of the church. He said this, there will be more people saved from the kingdom of God 10,000 times over because of the Book of Mormon than they will be because of the Bible. And, and so, so it gives you an idea what 
how they view the Bible. And the, the crazy thing about that is, uh, I've, I've debated some of their apologists, and I usually ask them, how do you know that the Book of Mormon comes from God? That's a valid question, isn't it? How do you know that this book that you say is the most correct book on earth, that it's a keystone of our religion, that it will bring you closer to God but than by any other book, you must have a lot of evidence for that Book of Mormon. And they say, oh, no, we, don't, we, have, we have no physical evidence. We only have internal testimony and internal evidence. And Mormons will try to tell you, when, uh, missionaries will try to tell you this when they come to your door, why don't you read the Book of Mormon, pray over the Book of Mormon, and you should feel this burning in your bosom, this internal testimony, and this will tell you whether this is true. Oh, just praying about it? You know, I mentioned this morning, Sola Scriptura, right? I mentioned the Scripture alone. They don't believe this. They believe you, have, you pray about it, and then you should feel this burning in your bosom. And this is how we know, a, a subjective feeling, an internal feeling that you, can we go by that? And we can't, we can't go by that. I was talking to one a couple of weeks, well, yes, I was, a couple of weeks ago, I was in, in, uh, in Salt Lake, and the, we were just, there was this one specific moment, we have been talking for like two hours, just going back and forth, back and forth. And, and, uh, and he said, no, just pray about it. He says, you know, pray about it. And I said, look, if I were to pray for that book, and, and he said, well, have you ever prayed about it? And this other guy tried to jump in. I bet you haven't prayed about it. I says, look, I've read the Book of Mormon. And he says, well, what did you find out? I said, I had a feeling that it wasn't from God. I had a feeling that it was, that it was from the devil. Oh, you just didn't pray hard enough. See, that's always the answer. Oh, you just, didn't, you just weren't sincere enough. You just, you just didn't, you know, and I said, see, you, you, can't, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't, you can't do that because, you, you, you know, you're always, you're always going to be right. You, you just have to pray stronger or, or you have to have more intent and things like that. So that's, that's the problem with, 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 this, uh, with this type of teaching that they believe that, well, he asked me, how do you know that the Bible comes from God? What evidence do you have? I'm like, man, where do I start? You know, where, 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 there's, every time they dig in Israel, they find evidence for the Bible. They, they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. They found all these different books. They found a copy of the book of Isaiah within the Dead Sea Scrolls that was written 900 years before even Christ was born here on earth. So, so there, there is evidence for, for, for the Bible. They, they don't have anything like that. They, they don't have uh, nothing like that. And, but that's what, what, what they believe. I was kind of messing with one of them, and I said, look, and my wife was with me, and I said, look, my wife's from Mexico. She, she really makes really good Mexican food, spicy food. And I said, if I'm reading the Book of Mormon that night, and I've just had some spicy food, I'm going to have a burning in my bosom, and I'm going to think, oh, man, this is from God. <laughs> you know, it, it, it doesn't make any sense, right? You, you cannot... You cannot go by your own feeling. The Bible says the heart is deceitful above all things, desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Right? We cannot go by that. Uh, Jude 3 said, I thought I had to write to you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. You know, the, you know just Galatians 1.8, but even if we or an angel from heaven should preach, you know, even Paul said, even if we, you know, 
preaches something other than what it's already been written, let him be eternally condemned. So it, it just doesn't make, make any sense. Uh, of course, I talked about uh, Acts chapter 17 this morning, how the, 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 the Berean Christians were more noble because they searched the scriptures to see what Paul said was true. But that's, that's what they believe in the Book of Mormon. So they, they try to really push that. And, you know, with, with uh, I wonder what would happen if a Mormon would just read the Bible. He wouldn't come to all these different doctrines. That, like I said, this, this has to be taught to you through outside source. If he reads the Bible only, he'll never come to these conclusions. He'll never come to these different doctrines. It has to be taught to you through a different prophet or things like that. Now, going to the Jehovah Witnesses, Jehovah Witnesses used to use the King James Bible. Right? That was their official Bible. Then, before the 1950, they, they started using the American Standard Bible, the NASB, the New American, because it had the word Jehovah more than the King James. And then, but they couldn't defend their doctrines, especially the doctrine, the, 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 the denying their, the, the deed of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, in 1960, they came up with their own translation called the New World Translation. And this, this is their official Bible. I remember they came up with a green one. Green Bible, that's a 1950 edition, I think, or 56 edition. And then they came up with a black one. Now they have a new one. They, they have a new one. It's a silver color one, a gray one. And that's, their, that's their, their Bible. But between this silver one and the green one, there's a lot of changes there. There's a lot of changes, especially uh, the, the changes that... that uh, they, they believe Jesus Christ is not God, so they try to change some verses. So it's not a good translation. You know, in fact, when the Jehovah Witnesses came out with a new translation, some of the Jehovah Witnesses at the time were asking, who were the translators, right? Who, who, who were the ones who did the translation, the, the new old translation? And, and the hierarchy of Jehovah Witnesses, the governing body said, no, we don't want to give the names out. Because we want to give the glory on Jehovah, not on the translators. They never gave the names. Well, in 1987, Raymond Franz, who Raymond Franz was part of the governing body of Jehovah Witnesses. He was, he was uh, one of the hierarchy uh, of Jehovah Witnesses. And he was a nephew of the president of Jehovah Witnesses, uh, Fred Franz. Raymond Franz was kicked out of the organization. He was excommunicated. Guess what Raymond Franz did? He gave the names out. He knew the translators. He gave the names out. They found out. None of the translators knew Greek. None of the translators were, uh, knew Hebrew. Fred Friends, the president, was one of the translators, and he didn't know any Hebrew, any Greek. Well, don't you need to know Greek and Hebrew? You know, if I'm going to translate a document from English to Spanish, I need to know Spanish, but I also need to know English. So what it was, it was a... It was a translation to make fit their doctrine. It wasn't scholarship. It wasn't Greek grammarians. It was, it was just them trying to make fit uh, their, their, their doctrine. And that was kind of a crazy thing because if you look up any Greek, the reputable Greek scholars, they all say that the New World Translation is a bad translation. Not one says it's a good translation, except Jehovah Witnesses uh, scholars. But as far as credible scholars like Bruce Metzger 
Robert Countess, Julius Manti, uh, all these different, all these different uh, Daniel Wallace, all these great uh, uh, Greek translators say that that is a bad uh, translation. Bruce Metzger, who was a, a late uh, professor at Princeton Theological Seminary, said that it is a frightful mistranslation, erroneous, pernicious, and reprehensible. And Robert Countess said it must, be, it must be viewed as a radically biased piece of work. At some points, it is actually dishonest. At others, it is neither modern nor scholarly. So it is a bad translation. But you know what? Even that Bible to the Jehovah Witness is not, it's not sufficient. They believe the Bible, even their Bible, is not the only source of authority. They have other, 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 their sources of authority would be like their Watchtower magazine. The, their, the, these magazines and their books that come from their organization, they believe they are God's prophet and they give you food at the proper time. And basically they believe that God only speaks for like seven to eight men who are in Brooklyn, New York. That is their, high, their, their, their governing body. God only speaks to them. Them it goes into the printing presses and comes out in the form of a magazine called the Watchtower. They're, they're shipped and boxed and shipped to all over the world and it falls to the hand of the Jehovah Witness. Then they come knocking to your door. This is how God speaks to you. You know, it, it's not through the Bible, but through their literature. That's how God speaks. And I have a couple of quotes here. Uh, their 1976 Watchtower, October 1st, they say this, the Bible is an organizational book, and it belongs to the Christian congregation as an organization, not to individuals. Regardless how sincerely they may believe they can interpret the Bible, the Bible cannot be properly understood without Jehovah's visible organization in mind. And then their 1957 Watchtower, God has not arranged for the word to speak independently or to shine forth light given truth by itself. It is through his organization that God provides light. Isn't that an amazing quote? It says that God has not arranged for the word to speak independently. No, it does. It's the opposite of that. It is meant to speak independently to us. You don't have to be part of a certain group. Their 1973 Watchtower, they say this, only this organization functions for Jehovah's purpose and to his praise. To it alone, God's sacred word, the Bible is not a sealed book. So you have to be part of their group. You have to be part of their organization to find uh, this this truth, and that's that's what what uh, that's what they believe. Isn't that uh, wrong? You know, to to believe that that they they have, you know. Uh, I tell you in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Jesus said, "Come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened. I will give you." Rest, right? John 20, uh, 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. They know, I know them and they follow me. Never does it say you had to be part of a church. You know, oh, you got to go to Jerusalem, right? No, ne never does it mention these things. Now, if God did have an organization here on earth, he doesn't, but if he did, it wouldn't be the Jehovah Witnesses. They prophesied the end of the world more than nine times. More than nine times, you know, a couple of dates here, 1874, 1914, 1918, 1925, 1941, 
1925, 1941, all these different uh, dates they gave. You know, it's just amazing. Uh, in 1925, they wrote a book called Millions Now Living Will Never Die. And they say, we may confidently expect that 1925 will mark the return of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and the faithful prophets of old, particularly those named. You know, that never happened. And Jehovah's Witnesses were asked, you know, in 1914, when they said that he was coming, and many Jehovah's Witnesses who were in universities, they all, they, they left the universities. Why study? Why? Because, Jesus, you know, Jesus is coming. Well, in 1914, came and left. And then they, they asked, why didn't he come? They said, oh, he did come, but he came in miserably. Well, he came miserably. How do you know he did come? So, it, you know, it just, the Bible says that God always completes his predictions. Isaiah 44 says, I am the Lord who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself, who foils the signs of false prophets and makes fools of diviners. Who overthrows the learning of the wise and turns it into nonsense? Who carries out the words of his servants and fulfills the predictions of his messengers? So, obviously, this is not what God said, and so this is kind of a big problem with with the uh, with the Jehovah Witnesses. Yet they're the third fastest growing church in the U.S. You know, crazy. You know, Mormons. You know, they have a different Bible. A Book of Mormon, Doctrine and Covenants for every price, their living oracles or prophets and, and apostles, they're, they're going to have different doctrines. For example, one of, one of their main doctrines is that, that God himself, the God of Scripture, the Father, once existed as a man who progressed to become a God. He lived in a planet called Colab, and he had parents. He had great-grandparents and great-great-grandparents. So that they were all gods, different gods. And this God, is, this, this God of, of, of Mormonism uh, became God. And he, he went through, they call this a law of exaltation, that, that he went through law, long growth of progression and exaltation until he became God. And, you know, Mormons have a, one of their main apostles that was uh, very famous, Bruce McConkie. And he said this, he said, God the Father is a perfect, glorified, holy man. Wait a minute, he's a man? You know? Uh, and in, an immortal personage. And Christ was born into the world as his literal son of this holy being. He was born in the same personal, real, and literal sense that any mortal son is to be born to a mortal father. There is nothing frig figurative about this paternity. He was begotten, conceived, and born in the normal or natural course of events. He, he, for he is the son of God, and that designation means what it says. And then uh, LDS apostle James Talmadge said this, we believe in a God who is himself progressive. You know, this is demeaning to God, that he is progressive, whose majesty is intelligence, whose perfection consists in eternal advancement, a being who has attained his exalted state by a path which now his children are permitted to follow, whose glory is in their heritage to share. In spite of the opposition of all the churches, in the, face, in, in the direct face of blasphemy, the church proclaims the eternal truth. As man is, God once was. As God is, man may become. So this is... This is Mormonism 101. This is one of their main doctrines that God Himself is 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 a is a a man, 
and he became God. And Jesus himself also became God, that he was born uh, through, through his, uh, as a literal son. God himself in heaven, the father, had a wife, has many wives, and laid with one wife, and that's how Jesus was born. Then he laid with another wife, and Saint was born. So Saint and Jesus are half-brothers. They have the same father, but not the same mother. So very, very uh, weird doctrines, isn't it? You know, that, that, that God is, uh, I mean, this is really demeaning to, to, to God the Father, to the God of Scripture, that he, you know, where he says in the Bible, I am, I am not a man. I am the Holy One among you, Hosea 11, 9. John 4, 24, Jesus says that God is spirit, right? God is, he's not, he doesn't have a body of flesh and bones like, like, like they say. But it does say in Psalms 92, before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. It doesn't say that he became God. Nowhere in the scriptures would you read a verse that say that, that, that God the Father became God, or that Jesus was, was, a, was a created being, or anything like that. And so that's kind of what, what, what they believe on, on that. Uh, point, but these scriptures are good to give to Mormon. Hosea eleven nine, John four twenty four, Psalms ninety two, and Isaiah forty twenty eight. You know, I was thinking of the verse two in. in at the, I know it's in John where Jesus, uh, you know, Peter says to to to, to Jesus, you, "You are the Son of Christ." You know, the, and Jesus says, uh, "Flesh and bone did not reveal this to you, but my Father who was in heaven." Oh, wait a minute. Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. He doesn't have a body. He doesn't have bone. Uh, you know, so, you know, it, it, just, it just doesn't make any, any, any sense at all. Now, Je uh, Jehovah Witnesses have a different view of God as well. Jehovah Witnesses believe that only Jehovah, the Father, is God. And Jesus is a created being. In fact, when Jehovah created Jesus, before he created any, before he created worlds and orbits and, and hemisphere, everything, he created Jesus. But he created him as an, an angelic being. His real name is Michael the Archangel. That's who Jesus Christ is. So within the Jehovah Witnesses, Jesus is not worshipped. Oh, but he was before the 30s. 1932, they changed this. But he's not prayed to, he's not worshipped because he's an angel. How could you pray to an angel? How could you worship an angel, right? So, so within Jehovah's Witness, they, they don't do that. They don't pray to Jesus. They don't worship Jesus. Does it fit the pages of Scripture that Jesus is an angel or created being? You know, he, he, he says he's, he's not. He, he said, I'm the first, I'm the last, the Alpha, the Omega. I'm the one who was, who is, who is to come, the Almighty. You know, the book of Revelation talks about in the first chapter that Jesus himself says that. I'm the one who was, who is, who is to come. Now, I just talked to a Jehovah Witness at a gas station when I was in Utah. Yeah, in Utah, there was Jehovah Witnesses. And I saw he had like wash tower in his hand, so I went up to him and I started talking. Hey, you Jehovah? Oh, yeah, you know. So we were talking and, and uh, immediately this is what they, this is the number one conversation at the door. As Jesus Christ is not God. They try to, 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 to so I would, uh, you know, this will be a good conversation to have with them. But 
you know, I, we, we, as we were talking, you know, he ba basically, he said, oh, yeah, you know, uh, Jesus, Jesus is not God. And, and, oh, no, we don't worship him because he's, he's, he's an angel. You know, he, he, he is a God, but not the God. He is, he, he is called God in Scripture sometimes, but, but also false gods were called gods. Also, uh, uh, judges and kings sometimes were called the Elohim or the word God. But he says, I, I said, yes, but they didn't worship kings. They didn't worship prophets. They didn't worship these judges and things like that. Jesus is worshiped in Scripture. And so, as you know, we were, we were talking uh, this way, but yeah, they, they, they believe that he is, not, he, he is not the second person in the Trinity, and he is, he's just an, a created being. But it, it doesn't, could you imagine an, an angel, would this fit, an, an angel saying, come to me, all those who are weary, I will give you rest. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't fit the scriptures that Jesus Christ is God. You know, in fact, in Colossians chapter 1, uh, Paul said that Jesus is a creator of the angels. He created all things. And the Jehovah Witnesses changed that verse there. He created all other things, they say. They put the word other in, in caps. But the Bible says that he created all things and for him and through him and that he is before all things. I mean, wait a minute. Who's before all things? Only God can be before all things. So, you know, when you deal with Jehovah's Witnesses, you have to maybe know some of these verses that Jesus Christ, that says that he is God. You know, Jesus didn't go around and say, I am God, I am God, I am God. He didn't have to. But he said things that only God could say. He did things only God could do. You know, he, he said to, to the Jews before Abraham was in John eight fifty eight, I am Wait a minute, the Jews immediately knew what he was saying. They, 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 he, they knew he was saying that he was the one who appeared to Moses. And they even grabbed stones to try to stone him because they said, you being a man, make yourself to be God. So he, he, he knew that. Um, let me give you a couple of verses you might want to write down. Some of these verses will be good to, to, to give Jehovah Witness because some of these verses haven't been changed in the New World Translation yet. So, for example, Titus 2.13, while we wait for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's just, that's just right there. 2 Peter 1.1 1, 1 says that to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ, have a faith as precious as ours. I like 1 John 5.20. This is key. 1 John 5, 20. We know also that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true. We are in him who is true, even in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is a, he is a true God and eternal life. Wait a minute, right there. He is the true God and eternal life. Hebrews 1, 8. But about the Son, he says, let, let your, your throne, O God, will last forever. And in Hebrews 1, 6, he said, let, let all God's angels worship him. Wait a minute. Worship him? If he is, a, if he is an angelic, he should be worshiping, right? But he say, he, here he says, let all God's angels worship him. 
I think one of, one of the key texts is also John 20, 28. Could, uh, Pastor, could you read that? John 20, 28. Uh-huh. This, is, this, this destroys this position of, of Jehovah's Witnesses. It's, it's fatal to them. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Well, you have a direct disciple calling Jesus Lord and God. And Jesus didn't correct him, say, oh, no, no, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm just an angelic being. You know, he, did, he didn't correct him, but he did say, blessed are those who believe without seeing. So you have a direct disciple here calling him Lord and God. And just things he did, you know, in the Old Testament, Psalm 23, it's a famous psalm, right? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. Well, John 10, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. Oh, wait a minute. How many shepherds is there? Just one. One shepherd. And Jesus claimed to be that shepherd that, that David talked about. You know, when, you remember when in Isaiah, I think it's six, when Isaiah saw the Lord high, exalted, and the angels were saying, holy, holy, kadosh, 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 holy, holy, holy. Well, Jesus said that, I did, that Isaiah saw the Lord, saw Jesus. He, he, the one he saw was Jesus. So they can't escape that Jesus is God. They even came up with their own translation to try to dispute this. But even, even then they, could, they didn't do a good job because they forgot to change a lot of verses. And even with, I, I use a Jehovah, a New World Translation when I went into Jehovah's Witnesses. You can still prove from that translation that Jesus Christ is God. Uh, because they, they, they didn't change all of them. Uh, the CD that's back there that I have, I think it's a good one because I give you the verses that haven't been changed. So, so, you, so if you tell a Jehovah to go to this verse, it'll be the same in their, in their New World Translation. And, you know, going back to Mormonism, on their view of God, you know, they say if, if God could, was a man and become God, why couldn't we? Right? Why can't we? And they believe this. They, they, they believe that they will become a God. This is every Mormon's goal, that they will become deity, that they'll become God, that they'll live in a planet somewhere and they'll populate this planet, that there'll be another Jesus, another Satan come in, another Adam, another need of a Redeemer, another Jesus is coming. It's just, this has been going on for billions and billions and trillions of years. But that's, that's what they believe. Uh, in one of their books... Uh, Gospel Principles on page 275, they say this, exaltation is eternal life, the kind of life God lives. If we prove faithful to the Lord, we will live forever in the highest degree of the celestial kingdom in heaven. We will become exalted just like our Heavenly Father was exalted. Exaltation is the greatest gift that the Heavenly Father gives His children. Uh, so, so that's, that's what, what, what they believe, that they'll become gods. And in one of their other books, uh, uh, ten basic questions. They say this: uh, LDS uh, members of the LDS believe that human beings can grow and progress spiritually into the mercy of the grace of Christ. They can inherit and possess all that the Father has. They can become gods. This is taught in Revelation given to modern prophets, as well as in sermons delivered by Joseph Smith. Notice it say it's not taught in Scripture, right? This is taught in sermons delivered by Joseph Smith and through revelations given to modern prophets. 
but not in Scripture. Never would you find in Scripture that, that man will become a god. You know, this is really a, an unholy desire, right? Isn't it why Satan was kicked out of heaven? Right? He wanted to become God. I will exalt above the clouds. I will become like the most high. You know, and then he comes to the, in the garden where Adam and Eve was there. And he even told Eve, if you eat of this, you will become like him. You will become. And so so it's, it's the original lie. And they, they, they make it attractive in an attractive, in an attractive dress. But, the, but this is the same. Uh, yet, uh, a couple of scriptures you might want to use with a Mormon on this verse, on this subject. Isaiah 43.10. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and my servants whom I have sh uh, chosen, so that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. It's, very, it's right there. Isaiah 44, 6, I am the first, I am the last. Apart from me there is no God. And then Isaiah, challenging the, the false prophets and things, he said, God himself said, is there a God besides me? I know any. I know not any. So that's that's what they they believe that they'll become a god, and yet no no mention in scripture that they'll become a god. Uh, not, nothing like that. Uh, so it's just it's just uh, it's just a, a a really 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 bad thing. You know, Jehovah Witnesses also. Uh, I want to. I don't know how much time we got, but I want to go to these couple of points. You know, the, the, the Jehovah Witnesses, they, didn't, they deny completely the doctrine of the Trinity. They believe the Father is God only. So, the, so, so Jesus, the Son, the second person, he is not God, right? He's Mike with the archangel. And they say the Holy Spirit is just a force, a power. It's not a person. So, uh, so they say, so they don't worship the Holy Spirit. He's just a power or a force. They demean him to just a, a power, just electricity or something like that. And uh, yet when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, it uses personal pronouns. He will come to you. Not it will come to you. He will guide you. He will teach you all these things. So it gives personal pronouns. Uh, he even speaks, for example, uh, Acts chapter 13, verse 2. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to do. So just right there, um, John 16, 13, but when he, again, personal pronouns, he, the spirit of truth, he will guide you into all truth. One, I think, of the best verse to use with Jehovah's Witness with this that it's 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 a uh, it's just very clear is is Acts P Pastor could you read that Acts chapter five uh huh uh, verses one through four but a man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira sold a piece of property and with his wife's knowledge he kept back for himself some of the proceeds, and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? Okay, just a moment. Who did he lie to? Now, can you lie to like a power or a force? You can only lie to a person. Okay, so just remember that he lied to the, to the Holy Spirit. Okay, go ahead. 
Satan has filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back for yourself part of the proceeds of the land. While it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you've contrived this deed in your heart? You've not lied to man, but to God. Oh, wait a minute. You have not lied to men, but you lied to God. Who did he say he lied to in the beginning? To the Holy Spirit. So this text proves two things. That the Holy Spirit is a person, and that the Holy Spirit is God himself. So, so it's just, it's, 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 that's key when you're talking to a Jehovah's Witness. You need to make them understand, okay, he lied to who? Right? To the Holy Spirit. And he said, you have not lied to men, but you have lied to God. You've lied to God himself. So, right there, it teaches that. So, they, they don't really have a foot to stand on. And most Jehovah's Witnesses had never even read that verse. Jehovah's Witnesses read the Bible not like you do. Right? They read the Bible, the, the, they read the watchtowers first. And the, the, their Bible becomes a companion to the watchtower. In other words, they, they go through the verses that are in the watchtower, then they read their Bible. But it should be the other way around, right? It should be the Bible. But they, 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 that becomes a companion to, to the, to, to the uh, watchtower. But the watchtower is primary. You know, their, their, their literature is, because that comes directly from God, right? To, to, to the governing body. To, to, then to the Jehovah's Witness. So they don't read the Bible just like we would read it. They, they always read it in the light of the watchtower. So that's, that's I think, key to understand what, what, what they believe. And they also, both of these groups believe in salvation. Both of them do believe in eternal life, in salvation. But how you get there are, is very different. Very different. For example, Mormons, they believe that salvation starts at the point of belief. And that you have to be baptized, that you have to do all these different things in order to be saved. Um, and you will never know whether you make it until you die. After you die, then you might make it. So, so no, no assurance of salvation uh, for eternal life at all. You just have to do the best you can, and at the end you might make it. And isn't, isn't that pretty pitiful? You know, what a view of heaven and eternal life that you, you, you cannot know. And the reason they believe that is because they believe it's, it is a work process. It is a process that, that you gain. But it does say, uh, there, Bruce McConkie said, there is no salvation outside the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And you need to be part of their group to be truly saved in, in the true sense of the term. But uh, I'll give you a quote that uh, in their Articles of Faith, they say this, individual salvation or rescue from the effects of personal sins is to be acquired by each for himself. By faith and good works, redemption for personal sins can, be, can only be attained through obedience to the requirements of the gospel and a life of good works. Imagine that, a life of good works. So you, 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 you have to be part of their group and you have to go and do all these things for, for a long, long time. I was debating this Mormon uh, uh, about eight years ago in Provo at the at BYU, and he's a pretty famous Mormon, a professor there at BYU, and he's a, he's he's up in age. And I asked him, "How long have you been a Mormon?" He said, "I've been a Mormon almost 60 years." 
I said, wow, you've been a Mormon for most of your life. You know, the majority of your life. He said, yeah, I, I, I was born in it, and I, 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 uh, I give my life, my family, my well, my organization, my, my finances, everything to the church. He's like, I am a very dedicated Mormon. And I said, wow, okay, so would you consider yourself then born again? I knew his answer, but I wanted the crowd to understand. I said, hey, you know, have you arrived? Do you have eternal life? And he says, oh, no, no one knows. No one knows. And I said, Hi, what is salvation in your church then? And he quoted Joseph Smith, salvation like a ladder. It goes all the way to the top, and you, you have to go wrong. You know, you're, you're, you're going up the ladder. I said, do you, do you at least know where you're at at that ladder? Are you halfway there? Are you 10%? Are you 90% there? He says, I don't know. You know, what a pitiful view of, of eternal life that you cannot know. You know, Jehovah Witnesses, they believe the same type of thing. You know, Jehovah Witnesses, uh, they give four requirements for salvation. And I, I, this is taken from the Watchtower in 1983. And number one is to take in knowledge by studying the Bible and the Watchtower literature. Notice it puts that in there. Number two, obey the rules and commands of the Watchtower organization. Be baptized to God's physical organization. And spread the news about Jehovah's kingdom to others by going house to house. But I want to center on number two, obey the rules and commands of the Watchtower organization. How many rules do you think they have in commands? They have a lot. You can't celebrate birthdays. You can't celebrate holidays. You can't vote. You can't salute the flag. You can't join the military. You can't join a, 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 a political office. You can't do any of these things. Uh, you cannot give a blood transfusion. You cannot receive, and we talked about it this one, can't receive. Used to be no organ transplants. Used to be no vaccinations. They changed in 1937. But uh, the, the uh, 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 blood transfusion, they still really, really, really str strong with that. But all these things you got to do, you got to go door-to-door -door witnessing. You know, if, if you were to join their church today, they would require you 15 hours a month of going door-to-door. -door. That's just a start. And if you don't do that, they'll tell you, you're just a visitor here. You're not, you're not a Jehovah's Witness. You're just a visitor. So they really push this door-to-door, -door, all these different works. And isn't it any wonder that in, in 1947, they came up with a watchtower. And this is what it says. To get one's name written in the book of life would depend upon one's work. Imagine that. To get one's name written in the book of life would depend upon one's work. And in their watchtower... Uh, 15, 1972, they say, working hard for the reward of eternal life. First of all, you will never hear those words in the Bible, that salvation is a reward. But you will read that salvation is a gift, not a reward. You know, Ephesians chapter 2 talks about that, it, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God and not by works, so no one can boast. But they say it's a reward. See, Je Jehovah's Witnesses, they give you salvation in installments. They don't give you the whole thing. You have to keep coming back, keep coming back, keep coming back. And you, it's never enough. Never enough. Galatians says, 2.16, a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. Titus 3.5, he saved us not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. I like 
1 John 5, 5.10-13, it says, this, and this is a testimony God has given us. See, in the past tense, it already happened. He has given us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son of God has life. He who does not have the Son of God has, does not have eternal life. Do you have the LSB? Yes. What, how, how does that say? 5.10? Yeah, 5.10-13. to 13. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he's not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his Son. And this is the testimony that God gave us, eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. Right, that's right, right there. If you don't have the Son, right? But he has given us eternal life already. John 5.24 says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Has eternal life. So, so these, these groups, they, they, their salvation is, is a process. It begins when you join their church and then, and then it, goes, it goes until you die. But, you know, never will you find this type of, you know, I remember a few months ago I was at home and that was a knock on my door. I'm like, who's that? So I go to the door, and it was a Jehovah Witness couple. And I'm like, oh, man, come on in. So, so, so I, you know, of course, I don't tell them what I do. But as, as they were there, they were talking, and, and uh, very nice people. And, and we were talking, and I asked them the same thing. I asked the Mormon, how, how long have you been Jehovah Witness? He said, oh, like 30 years or something like that. He said, I, I've been Jehovah Witness most of my life. And, and uh and then I asked him, I said, so, so do you have eternal life? Do you have salvation? Have you been born again? And he said, oh, no, no, we don't, we don't believe that. We, 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 we believe that we're on the right path. But if we keep going that way, then, then we're, we're, we might make it. And I said, wow, so, so you don't know? And he said, no, I don't know. I said to him, you know, let's pretend that I'm a vacuum cleaner salesman. Let's pretend that I, I sell vacuum cleaners, I come to your door. And I knock, and you open the door, and I show you this vacuum cleaner, and I talk to you about it, talk to you about the colors it comes in, the material it's made out of, and all these different things. And then at the end, I say, would you like to buy one? And then you ask me, well, how good? Does it work pretty good? I said, I don't know. I haven't tried it. I said, would you buy it? And he said, no. I said, that's the same thing you're doing to me. You're trying to sell something that you yourself don't have. Yet the Bible says, taste and see that God is good. You know, this, this, I, I said, you know, the, the Bible, and I quoted the New World Translation, that, that the gospel is good news, right? The good news of the gospel. I said, what you're telling me is terrible news. It's not good news that you have been in Jehovah's for 30 years, and you still don't know? I said, what? That's like horrible news. And he just kind of looked at me. I said, the Bible says that salvation, that the gospel is good news. Why? Because we pass from death to life. Because we have eternal life. You can know. You know, this is why Paul could say, you know, I, I am convinced. I, I am, I, you know, no one can separate me from God. So all these different things. He couldn't say that if he didn't know. You know, he, he couldn't say all these things, you know, that, uh, what he said and what he wrote. If he didn't know, if he said, well, I might make it, I don't know. 
No, he, he, he believed that he knew, and all these other apostles believed that uh, because they, they had the same message that they could have eternal, that they have eternal life. And this is why they wrote in the past tense, God has given us eternal life. You know, we, we look back to it. Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, they look forward to it. They try to attain it. Yet we believe that we have been saved because it's not because of us, like I mentioned this morning, that Luther said that it is the main, this salvation is, this justification by faith is the main hinge in which salvation turns. He said it alone begets, nourishes, defends the church of God, and the church cannot stand. So, and he said, without this doctrine, you know, it, th this is the gospel, right? That we're saved by faith in Christ alone. And no other things are required uh, for, for salvation. And it's not what they say to get one's name written in the book of life would depend upon one's works. It is not what the Mormons say that individual salvation or the rescue from the effects of personal sins is to be acquired by each for himself. Never would you find these terms in the Bible, this, this, this uh, uh, talk about, you know, uh, acquiring each for himself and a, a reward it's always a gift, and, it, and God gives it to us, uh, not because of what we do, but because of his goodness and mercy, and, and, and this is w why it happens. So this, this is what, what these groups kind of, there's a lot of other things that they believe, uh, but I think these are the main points that I think that either disqualifies them. You can't believe any of these things and be a Christian. You know, because if you have a different Bible, if you have a different authority, if you believe salvation is a, it's a reward, that it's by works, uh, if you have a different view of Jesus, all these different things, uh, you cannot be a, be a Christian and believe all these things. Uh, I'd like to open it if you guys have any questions on anything that I've talked about. They do. Because they believe there are this. That's why they believe the 104,000. See, the 104,000 are Jew, Jewish people, 12,000 from each tribe, 12 tribes, and they believe they are the spiritual Israel. So that's why they can say we, we part of the 104,000, the ones who are. Like prophecy being fulfilled of Jews moving back to Israel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, and that's kind of, I'm not sure, because some of them kind of have a weird thing on that, but as far as your. It always will. This is one of the main characteristics of every cult. It's, it's, it's a work-based. It is, it is just kind of a Christ, what he did alone is not sufficient. So the scriptures are not sufficient either, right? And so, the, so that's very common. And that's what I talked about is the, the Bible. They have their books, right, that supersede the Bible. And their, their salvation is through a, a works process, a, a process, and so that's very, that's always every true to every cult, is, is they believe that. So they have a continual. If you talk about the, the so-called leaders up in the watchtower, they have a continual conversation with God. Mm. Yeah. Somehow God speaks to them exclusively. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's what, that's what they believe. So you kind of to build on that. One of the characteristics I, I've noticed in a lot of cults, obviously, they're very sexual in nature. Mm -hmm. um, Mormonism, you could say, is hyper that way, mm -hmm. hypersexual, because of polygamy, of course, being a very big thing in their past. Mm -hmm. And you get guys like Warren Jeffs, their offshoots, mm -hmm. that are still obsessed with polygamy. Yeah. 
Um, and, you know, the joy is, hey, I get to be a god and do this with my many wives for all eternity mm -hmm. on my own planet. How does that... How does that fit into? I thought he was talking to the microphone. Uh, how does that fit in with Jehovah's Witnesses? Are they? Do they have some form of that too? Do they, the, look the, at it that way? they they don't look at it the same way like a polygamy or that they'll have multiple wives in heaven. Nothing, nothing like that. But there there is a lot of uh, a lot of like sexual stuff going on. They usually catch them with even with younger children and things like that. And it's not because they're their doctrine. But it's because I think they're just they're just bound by Satan, mm -hmm. you know. They have the spirit that does not it's not a genuine salvation, so they can't have. But it's not permissible in their church. No, no, it's not. It's not. Okay. Yeah, it's not permissible, and and so <laughs> in the Mormon church, it's not permissible either, unless you're part of the the the, the fundamentalist Mormon right. group. Yeah, or but 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 a spirit wife, and not necessarily yeah. physically here, but eternally they believe you'll still yeah. be connected. Yes, but because, see, many people believe polygamy started with Joseph Smith. No, it didn't. It started with jo with God himself, with, with the father, because, or, or you know, he, his parents, his great, great, so polygamy, and Joseph Smith said that polygamy will be for all eternity. Mm. You know, so, so it, 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 it stopped. You know, the reason why it stopped, that, you know, when Joseph Smith was killed, and there was a uh, th there was a split there when they said well, who who's going to be our next revelator who's going to be our next seer our next prophet and there was a big group that said it should be Brigham Young mm -hmm. there was there, there was a, a smaller group that said it should be Joseph Smith Jr. right so Joseph Smith Jr. took his Mormons to Missouri to Independent Missouri that's their headquarters and Brigham Young took his Mormons to well Brigham Young said where do we go where do we go that we that they won't they won't persecute us because of polygamy. Where do we go? And they said, let's go to a different country. And they did. They went to Mexico. Utah was Mexico at the time, so they went to Utah, and 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 that's where they. And then uh, Brigham Young wanted wanted Utah to achieve statehood, and. The, the U.S. government said, no, you, you'll never receive statehood because you guys practice polygamy. Well, then all of a sudden, they had new truth. <laughs> and, and they said, well, no more polygamy. God said, no more polygamy. Well, they achieved statehood. And then after that, they started polygamy again. And, and, and then, and then so, so there was a split off from them when the government really put pressure on them. They said, okay, we won't practice polygamy anymore. So there was a, a group from there, they're called the Mormon Fundamentalists, and they're the most dangerous ones. They're the ones that, the sister wives, and all, yeah, and they're the ones that, that, that live in communes and have multiple wives and things like that. So, so that's kind of one of, their, one of their splinter groups called Fundamentalist Mormons. And they believe, they say, we, we're, we are the true Mormons because we're the ones who practice polygamy, and God said through Joseph Smith that polygamy will be for all eternity. So that's that's kind of why why they do that. So why does God say in the in the book of Genesis, if that's true, why does God say, for this reason shall a man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one? He meant wives. Yeah, yeah. He he forgot to put the S. <laughs> Question, sir. Oh. <laughs> Uh, the, the, when I was working for the Jehovah Witnesses, I, 
I was working for a petrochemical refinery in Corpus Christi, where I'm originally from, and we, I was there working, in a, and so I would, I would get special permission from the refinery uh, that I worked six months there, and then in the summer, I would work six months in Brooklyn, in New York, for the headquarters. Then I was six months here and there, so I will go back and forth every six months. So when I went back uh, to Corpus Christi to uh, work another six months there in 1995, uh, I noticed a company hired a new engineer that worked in our department. I worked in the engineering department, in the uh, chemical engineering department. And so he was a, a new employee, and uh, so he found out I was, a, I was a Jehovah Witness, and I found out he was a, a Christian. So we would talk and debate, and we would, and, and they put us to work on a project, a wastewater project together, just me and him. And uh, we were, it is just in this little office all day, so we had a lot of time to talk. And, and he, he led me to Christ. He, he made me realize, you know, you've been Jehovah Witness and you, you, you're not saved, you're not born again, the same type of thing where I didn't. And I'm like, well, yeah, I, we don't believe that. So he shows me like the main verse he used was Ephesians chapter 2 that I had never read. I remember when he gave me that verse, I looked it up in the New World Translation at work and I'm like, that it's a gift, not by works. And these things, and I thought it was like, oh man, this is probably just a, 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 a error in my translation in my Bible. I'm going to go home and get another new word translation. And got home, and it was the same thing. So I was like, wow, what is? So I was always, I, I, I basically when I read that, it just kind of jumped at me, and these verses, and I, I was concerned with truth, and I was like, well, I, I need to find this 